everybody. Digging Deeper Jazz, Jeff Antonia here. Thank you so much for being here today. So I want to talk about voice leading. And this is something we've all probably heard about it, and we know it's a big deal. Uh, I think some of us probably know what it is, but do we use it in our playing? Um, it is hugely, hugely important. So what I want to do is talk about a great Sonny Rollins composition today called uh, Tenor Madness, and going to do a bunch of playing too, so that we can really hear this stuff understand it and get it into our playing. All this needs to be happening. We need to intellectually understand things. We need to be able to hear them, get them under our fingers. There's a, that physical aspect. And then none of that really means too much unless we get it into our playing, right? So that's what I want to do with voice leading today. Um, and you know, one other thing, I added it all up the other day and realized that these videos, Digging Deeper, is being viewed, this channel, about 15,000 times a week. Uh, that is crazy, 15,000. So there's either 15,000 of you out there who are interested in jazz, and I'm talking about the adult amateurs and semi-pros who I'm talking to all the time. That is amazing, I love it. The other possibility is there's one of you and the key is stuck on your computer. Um, so maybe you wanna check that out, that could be you. So let's do this. Uh, I'm gonna put the PDF up on the screen, and uh, here's what I want you to look at. The first three lines you see there are the B-flat blues. And what I did is wrote the thirds and the sevenths over top of each other. In the first measure, where it says B-flat seven, you can see the D is the third of that chord. The A-flat is the dominant seven, the flat seven of that chord. And I go through the rest of the blues. Now, here's the thing. Well, okay, here's two things. Why the third and the seventh? Why not the root and the fifth? Well, I think many of us know the two important notes, the money notes in any chord are the third and the seventh. Why? Because it gives us the flavor of the chord. The third tells us major or minor. The seventh tells us dominant or major seven. The fifth really doesn't have a lot of say in the quality of the chord. Maybe once it has the say. The root is the root, it's important, but when you play a C, it's not a major C or a minor C, it's a C, right? So relative to itself, it's nothing. So, okay, we understand now thirds and sevenths. That's a big deal. When somebody asks you that at a party, which is most important, you say thirds and sevenths, okay? Good. Now, here's what I did. You can see that I have the third on top of the first measure, B flat seven. In the second measure of the blues, I put the D flat. I flipped it around so that the seventh is on the top, the third is on the bottom. That is called voice leading. So I tell you what, let me play it first and we can talk about it later. Okay, did two choruses of that, and I just played the top line. That is voice leading. So what it means is if we have the voices in a chord, if we want to call the root one voice, if we want to call the third above that another voice, as if we're singing in a choir, if we want to call the fifth 
a voice, the seventh. There could be all these different voices. So the question is, if you're singing the third in the first measure, what note should you sing in the next measure? The answer is you can sing any note you want in that E-flat chord. But here's the thing. In choir writing, now this goes back hundreds of years. Voice leading is not a jazz thing. Voice leading, like so many things, was taken from music before it, classical music in jazz. So if you're singing the third of the B-flat chord, should we have you jump up a fourth and sing the third of the E-flat chord? If so, we'd be jumping around a lot. These chords progress by fourths, so the whole choir would be leaping around by a fourth. Here's the thing, that doesn't work so well. Choir writers figured this out a long time ago, arrangers and composers, that when a choir has to do wide leaps, they, the pitch starts getting wonky and the pitch floats, so we could start getting pretty out of tune. So the idea with voice writing for choir is we try to find notes that are either in common between chords or that move by a small distance. The best small distance, half a step, right? So when we can move by a half a step or keep a note the same, that's where it's at. Voice leading, and the word comes from writing for the voice. So that is what we want to do, and we see this in compositions. We see this in piano voicings, where a piano player will play a B-flat 7 and an E-flat 7, and their hand barely moves. Or a guitar player playing a B-flat 7 and E-flat 7. I'm faking it really bad over here. And um, how's that possible? Why aren't they sliding up five frets to where an E-flat is? Because they're inverting things. Their voices are moving smoothly. This is great comping. This is great composing, this is great uh, arranging, and this is certainly great soloing. So here's what I want to do. Um, I'm going to play now through the song Tenor Madness. And I know this is perverse because I'm holding a soprano saxophone. Uh, I, I don't know, I picked this thing up and forgot what I was doing. So we're going to play Tenor Madness here, and I want you to listen to this melody. I'm going to play it twice through and see if you can figure out what the uh, deal is with the voice leading. Perhaps the red circles on the sheet are a giveaway. Here we go. I think you see what's going on. Sonny Rollins followed the top line from the PDF. Uh, by the way, if you want this PDF, please send us an email. Happy to send it to you. Sonny Rollins followed the first line, the voice leading, the third in the first measure, moving down a half step to the flat seven. So that's the basis of his melody. Voice leading. Sonny Rollins knew about this. It's in his playing, too. So this is a really, really big deal. Now, what would it sound like if he moved his melody up? Didn't mean for this to be a composition uh, video, but let's hear what it sounds like. So what he did is he changed his melody ever so slightly to fit the second measure. Then he changed it back to fit the third measure. Now, he could have transposed it, I suppose.
and just showing you that I'm human, I'm fallible, um, <laughs> I'm super fallible. Okay, you get the idea that's not the same tune. It's not the same tune when he was leaping around. There are songs that do that. It's not a bad thing necessarily, but the song we know and love is voice leading. So you've heard this so many times, especially those adult amateurs I love talking to. You guys have been listening to this music for years, for decades. You know this. So now it's a matter of understanding it intellectually, and then what does it sound like when we get into our playing? So here's what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to challenge myself here. What I'm going to do is play the first voice leading line, the top line that Sonny Rollins used, I'm going to play it through for one chorus, and then what I'm going to do is improvise for a chorus or two and see, can I keep my improvising centered around that line? Now, what does that mean, centered around that line? That's a pretty loose description, but I'm going to be thinking about that line and making sure it's in there. That's the skeleton of my solo, the way that line is the skeleton of the Sonny Rollins composition. Let's give it a try. Okay, uh, I impressed myself. I think I did it pretty well. All, the notes were in there, and now the question is the quality of the connections. Could, now, could you hear the voice leading? Now that we're thinking about it, I primed your ear with that first chorus of whole notes so that you could hear that line through there. So perhaps you heard it better. But here's the thing. Um, I don't mind if you didn't hear it at all because, again, that was the skeleton that I kind of grew my melody around. The, you know, the vine of my melody, it followed that line. Um, and I could come up with 10 more metaphors, but I'm gonna stop right here. Uh, it's really, really powerful. Now, here's the thing. I know B-flat blues super good. I can do this all day long. Um, a song that I'm either, it's just a butt kicker song because it has crazy harmony, or perhaps not such a butt kicker song, I don't know the tune. I haven't found the voice leading line or lines. There's not just one, there's many. There's the second line on the bottom that we could go through and do. There are other lines further up in the chords, the way the sixth goes to the ninth. It, it's, it goes on and on, but that's the thing. So when you are getting comfortable with the song, you know how the chords are connecting. People talk to me about that. Jeff, I'm having a hard time connecting the chords. What that person is saying to me, what I'm hearing is voice leading. Time to start talking about voice leading. And now speaking of this, I just wanna mention this very quickly. Uh, you've heard me perhaps talking about Jazzwire. We have our information page up, finally. If you go to jazzwire.net, not .com, .net, jazzwire.net, uh, the information is up there. The site, we are starting to accept applications September 1st, 2018, and the site goes live November 1st, 2018. We have a limited number of uh, 
of uh, spots open. So anyway, go visit jazzwire.net. This is the kind of thing we're going to be digging into very specifically. And so I'm leaving, you know, this one lesson, this can go 45 different ways on every tune in the book. So that is the kind of thing we are going to be doing. I'm going to be there with you doing this work. So it's going to be pretty exciting. I hope you check that out. So what I want to show you here, the last thing for today is Sonny Rollins did something very interesting in the last four measures with this line. measures 9 and 10 of the melody. To my ear, he has a really cool, let's call it an internal melody going on. Now, we heard this in Baroque music with Johann Sebastian Bach and the other great composers, that there would be all this movement going on, but there's a line that goes through. It could be a bunch of 16th notes, but there was a quarter note line or a half note line. Amazing composing. And that's what's going on here. To me, the line is this. That's pretty cool, right? Now, if you hadn't heard that or noticed it or intellectually come upon it, now, as much as you love Sonny Rollins, you need to send him a bouquet of flowers or something, right? <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is what we want to get into our soloing. And so we get it with these voice leading lines. So your assignment, I always want to leave you with assignment. Throwing out a bunch of information is easy and no good. No good. We need to know what to do with the information. So here's what I want you to do. Play that top line as I did for you. Play it 10 times a day for 100 days. I don't care. However long it takes so you can hear it. I would love for you to be able to sing it. I'm not a singer, but can you sing that against the blues? An interesting thing would be to go back, play the solo that I improvised. I'll be playing the solo on the video and you play along or sing along that voice leading line. And can you hear it? in my solo. That would be a cool thing to do. So for you, back to the first assignment, what I want you to do is be able to play that line and I want you to be able to solo around it. So start simple, simple, simple. Just play that note and then wiggle around it a little bit. Go to the chord tone above the note you're on, the chord tone below the note you're on. I tell you what, I want to do an example of that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the voice leading line in the first example starting on the third, going to the flat seven. And my improvisation is going to be entirely chord tones. You know I love chord tones. Entirely chord tones above or below that voice leading note. So voice leading is telling me what the note should be. And my other options for myself are uh, chord tones above or below. Here we go.
All right, I'm gonna say I got that 98% just chord tones. There was probably one or two little chromatic enclosures. I can't help myself, I play enclosures all the time. I did pretty good. Um, and by when I say I did pretty good, that's where you give me a little round of applause. There it is, great, okay. Uh, we're gonna leave it there. Voice leading, this is the hugest possible topic, but I want you to know what it is. Go back to the video, right? I want you to intellectually understand it. That's not so hard, right? I want us to be able to hear this. So we worked on that a little bit, right? I want you to be able to play it. So finger-wise, it's not necessarily a big thing to do soloing on your instrument or comping on the piano, but you know, there's a finger aspect to it. But the most important thing is I do want us to be playing this. Get this into your comping, get this into your solo. So thank you so much for uh, checking these videos out. Please share them with anybody, everybody that might be interested in this stuff. I'd love to get it up to 15,001 views next week. Thank you so much for tuning into Digging Deeper Jazz. We'll see you next time.